and welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for April 18th, 2020. And boy, it's been a pretty sad week, I think. Just been, just not a good week. Just not a good week. Started out with all the talent releases and furloughs, and then Howard Finkel's untimely passing, and it's not been a good time. Just not a good time right now. But uh, before I get into that, I wanted to touch on those two topics before I get into talking about Raw, AEW Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown, kind of give you my rundown and uh, review, well, my rundown and uh, analysis of each show along with ranking the three shows for this week. But let's get into the talent releases. And these are the talent releases so far. Uh, Drake Maverick. Kurt Hawkins, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Heath Slater, Eric Young, EC3, Leo Rush, Eric Rowan, Sarah Logan, referee Mike Chioda, who's been with the company for 30 years, Primo, Epico, Mike Canellis, Maria Canellis, Zack Ryder, No Way Jose, Rusev. Those are just from the uh, main roster. And then the NXT Performance Center, folks, Diana Perrazzo, Alexander Jackson, I'm butchering this name, Jackson, MJ Jenkins, Nick Ogarelli, Tainara Conti, Dan Matha, Cesar Bononi, Mars Wang, Tino Sabatelli, Mohamed Fahim, Marcos Gomez, Faisal Kurdi, Edgar Lopez, Hussein Aldgal, Yifeng, uh, also known as Rocky, Cassius Ono, he possibly could be furloughed, Josiah Williams, better known as, not better known as, but known for wrestle and flow, those uh, where he does freestyles over wrestlers' entrance music. Yeah, he's been working for WWE as an on-air digital talent. He also introduced, uh, and not introduced, but uh, sang out, rapped out, Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver 25, Ace Steel, a coach, Kendo Cashin, coach, and then Serena Deeb, coach. She's better known for her time as a part of the Straight Edge Society. And producers and, and employees, some of these may or may not have been furloughed. Kurt Angle, Aiden English, Lance Storm, Shane Helms, Sarah Stock, Scott Armstrong, Billy Kidman, Dave Fit Finley, who's been an integral part of the women's revolution, Pat Buck, Sean Devari, Mike Rotunda, better known as IRS, Andrea Lissenberger, or the writer for the Otis and Mandy storyline, and Jerry Soto. More could be coming soon. I hope it's not a lot more because this is a lot of people that are without jobs at this point. And there's certain people I feel especially bad for at this point. It's 
Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, those guys have been with the company for a long time, especially Zack Ryder. He's been there for forever. But it's nice to see he'll get another opportunity somewhere else. He will get more of an opportunity anywhere else he goes. Rusev, as it's been clearly indicated by multiple people, he's been one of the most underutilized people on the roster. He had one of the most overacts in the company with Rusev Day, and WWE failed to capitalize on it. I look forward to seeing what he does coming up. Maybe it's a New Japan. Maybe it's New Japan, maybe it's AEW, but we're going to have to wait for a while because I think some of these have non-compete clauses for three months. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, well, they already teased that they're going back to New Japan. Uh, Heath Slater, Slater's been there forever. It'll be interesting to see what he does next. EC3, I don't know how they figured out a way to waste him both times when he came to WWE. I felt like he was hot-shotted too early to the main roster with nothing in mind. And it's unfortunate for him because he worked his butt off. He did some great work in Impact before coming back to WWE. But uh, he'll get an opportunity elsewhere. Maybe it's in... AEW we'll see and then also Drake Maverick who posted that very heartfelt video as he announced his release and he's still in the cruiserweight uh, tournament to crown an interim cruiserweight champion maybe him and EC3 join back together and go to AEW I think that's the best place for him I think EC3 is a star he's a star he's got the look he's got the talent he's fantastic on the mic i just don't know what happened with 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 wwe i don't know what happened with him in wwe luke gallows and carl anderson that was the surprise to me that was a big surprise because they just they're with they were aligned with aj styles and the oc and they just did the boneyard match with the undertaker and then all of a sudden they're released to do these uh talent cuts and budget cuts trying to save WWE some money moving forward. But it'll be nice to see them go back to their roots in Japan. Well, Luke Gallows was in WWE before he went to New Japan, but still, these guys were made, really, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It'll be nice to see them back there sometime. A lot of these other talents, I don't know where they're going to go, but we'll see. Diana Perrazzo was very underutilized, She's kind of just used as a jobber pretty much and as enhancement talent when she's pretty talented from what I've heard. Cassius Ono, he still might be there. Better known as Chris Hero. We'll see where he goes moving forward. And then a lot of these were a lot of these former wrestlers were producers and feel bad for all of them. Just not a good day or not a good week when it comes to being a part of WWE. And a lot of guys have reached out, including Seth Rollins and just plenty of other people. Dolph Ziggler even had a really nice gesture on Friday Night SmackDown where he wore a Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins t-shirt. Next subject touching on is the unfortunate passing of the late and great Howard Finkel. Man, this dude is a part of some of the most iconic moments in WWE history. Iconic announcements. And it's unfortunate to hear one of the greatest to ever do it. No, the greatest to ever do it. 
best ring announcer of all time. And that that voice, that voice is iconic to me. When you think of WWE, you think Howard Finkel. You think of him making the announcements. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Randy Macho Man Savage. The names go on and on and on. And he was such an integral part of the early stages of what was then the WWWF and what is now the WWE. He is truly missed. I will miss him. I... I watched a video and it was his CM Punk announcement at the 2011 Survivor Series and I remember that watching that I have the DVD and it's such a cool thing because he soaks it all in Howard's getting chance in Madison Square Garden and from the stories I've heard Howard Finkel was not only a great ring announcer but he was an even better person rest in paradise Howard Finkel but as they say, the show must go on. Let's start out with Monday Night Raw for this week. We have we start out with highlights from McIntyre's WrestleMania match with Brock Lesnar. And it ends up being Andrade and Zelina interrupting, and they introduce the U.S. champ. And McIntyre makes this funny comment saying the crowd goes mild. And Zelina wants to congratulate Drew in person but says it would be bad if a person would hurt you and take the title. And they address their history from back in NXT where Andrade messed up Drew's bicep on his way to winning the NXT championship. And uh, it was nice to see that they address their history there and says you want champion versus champion, you got it tonight. And... We've got a title, we got a not a title match, but we got a champion versus champion match coming up later on in the night, which I thought it was fine. Nice setup. Uh, Money in the Bank qualifier. Money in the Bank qualifier followed that Asuka versus Ruby Riot, and Asuka gets the win after Riot gets caught in the Asuka lock. And this was a really good match. Nice psychology in this match. And uh, Asuka is continuously working the injured shoulder of Ruby Riot, who had both of her shoulders actually surgically repaired before she came back here recently. I like the psychology involved in that match. Ruby got out of the Asuka lock multiple times before getting caught in it and... She was forced to tap. Riot looked really good here. I thought Riot looked just as good as Asuka. It looked like she belonged in the ring with Asuka. And Asuka continues to, li- to deliver during this empty arena era. Then we get an MVP. Then we get MVP with his VIP lounge. And he's talking about three Money in the Bank qualifying matches coming up next week including Rey Mysterio versus Murphy, Aleister Black versus Austin Theory, and Apollo Crews versus the greatest ladder match participant, the greatest ladder match, one of the best ladder match competitors of all time, MVP. Nice little swerve there, MVP. We thought it was going to be Edge, 
but you put yourself in the Money in the Bank qualifying match, which is okay. It'll be nice to see Apollo Crews get to get an opportunity in Money in the Bank, hopefully. And Rey Mysterio versus Murphy sounds like a really good match. And Aleister Black versus Austin Theory should deliver too. We get Aleister Black versus Oni Lorcan. And this match was very hard-hitting. Very, very hard-hitting. Lorcan looked really good even though he was defeated in this match. And late in the match, uh, Lorcan goes for a half-and-half suplex. Black gets a victory roll. Oni kicks out. Then Oni lays into him. Black then follows it up with a big knee and a black mass. And like I said, hard-hitting match. Very good match between these two. And gives Aleister Black some momentum going into the Money in the Bank qualifier. And Lorcan doesn't lose anything here as he was very competitive with Aleister Black. And then Schreiber is with Aleister Black post-match. And she asks him what his game plan is for the Money in the Bank qualifier next week. And he puts it simply as this, to win. And at this point, I thought this was a fantastic show. Some really good wrestling on Monday Night Raw. And after that, we get the man. Becky Lynch cuts a promo and saying the match between her and Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania was not a battle of skill. It was a battle of the mind, which was a pretty cool thing she did there. And she says the Money in the Bank winner, if they try to cash in on her, She'll shock the world one more time. And I thought this is a pretty good promo by Becky to address her actions from the past. All that stuff she was doing, including that dressing up in uh, King's garb and that uh, wearing Jerry Lawler's crown was all just a game. It was all mind games because she wanted Shayna to think she was overconfident. And then we get... Shayna Baszler with Schreiber asking if she has any response to what Rousey's to Rousey's disparaging marks remarks last week, and she has no response. And the next match is Shayna Baszler versus Sarah Logan in a Money in the Bank qualifier. And Shayna's showing a really vicious side in this match, and really weird ending to the match where Shayna stomps on Sarah Logan's arm and Sarah Logan is screaming and crying in pain. But it's initially announced that Sarah Logan wins, which made no sense because the referee stopped it. And when stoppage happens, it's usually the person that can't continue is declared the loser. But they declared Sarah Logan the winner, and then Todd Phillips had to address that and say that Actually, it was Shayna Baszler that won the match. Other than that, it was fine. I like the vicious side that Shayna showed here, and she's like very motivated heading into Money in the Bank coming up here in about a month. And there's we cut to Rollins, and he says, I lost to Kevin Owens at Mania, and once again, my career has been crucified. And these are sprinkled throughout the show. I'll get to more of them here in just a few moments. Austin Theory versus Akira Tozawa is next. And Tozawa's pretty competitive in this match. 
I th it was okay for what it was, but really, in my opinion, it was very, very slow. The heat segment by Austin Theory, I thought, lasted a little bit too long, and the match itself was about two or three minutes too long. Uh, Theory wins with the Austin Theory launch and a version of the TKO and moves on to next week going getting some momentum going in to his Money in the Bank qualifier against Alistair Black. And then after the match, Garza and Andrade come down and they beat down Tozawa, triple team him. Andrade hits a hammerlock DDT from the top rope and with Tozawa's legs draped over the top rope. I guess this is okay. This is a new faction that's forming in WWE. I'm not sure about it. We'll see where it goes. It's nice to see some of these younger guys getting together, working together in a tandem or a trio. I just don't know how this is going to work because these guys were just, it was just practically thrown together due to Andrade initially getting hurt and then coming back. So they decided, oh, let's just throw these three guys together. We'll see what happens. I think this is kind of just a replacement for what Seth Rollins' group was supposed to do. But one of the AOP members is currently hurt, so they can't really do anything with that. And Seth Rollins is kind of just a lone wolf at this point. Then we get a video package for Drew McIntyre. Pretty good. And then we get Charlie Caruso with Rey Mysterio. And he's accomplished many things, including winning world championships and intercontinental championships and stuff, but he's never won a Money in the Bank briefcase. But he remembers 2010, where Kane won the Money in the Bank and cashing it on, cashing it in on him the same night. He says he needs to defeat Murphy to get his opportunity at Money in the Bank, and he puts over Murphy for a moment and says... Murphy doesn't want, his, want it as bad as himself. Ray says he'll win Money in the Bank this year, which we find out later in the week that it's going to be at WWE headquarters where you will climb from the bottom floor of corporate all the way to the top, climbing the so-called corporate ladder. We'll see about that. And there'll be a ring at the top and a ladder set up to get to the briefcase and the money in the bank contract. Then we get Angel Garza against Tahuti Miles, and Garza gives a rose to a camerawoman, kisses her on the cheek before the match, and another filler, this was filler, and Garza in theory, Garza gets a win after the wing clipper, and it's another triple team from the group, and another hammerlock DDT from the top rope. And when I looked at this, I guess they were addressing the move that injured Drew back in NXT. They're trying to show Andrade as a threat and this group as a threat to the to uh, Drew McIntyre. And I didn't know they needed to do this necessarily, but I guess it's fine for what it was. After that, we get the Kabuki Warriors. They're walking up, singing and dancing, and they and uh, Asuka congr gets congratulated by Schreiber, 
and she asked, what is your confidence like going into this match against Nia? And she asked that to Kyrie Sane. And Kyrie Sane says, confidence. And Asuka says confidence and they laugh. These two have been some of the best, some of the best people on Raw, the most consistent performers on Raw. And Asuka's just been on fire recently. She's funny. She she can definitely go in the ring. We already know that. But she has got a lot of charisma that has been untapped up until the last few months. Up until her heel turn. Then it was Charlie Caruso with Drew McIntyre backstage interview. And... It's Drew's response to Zelina's comments from earlier, and he looks at his scar on his arm, and it's a reminder every week, and he was, that uh, Andrade was just a few inches from taking everything away from him. And he's not going to forgive, and not going to forget, and he's going to hurt Andrade, Claymore him, and if he has to take six months off, whatever. Then we get Nia Jax versus Kyrie Sane in a Money in the Bank qualifier match. And Nia really just dominates this match. Kyrie hardly gets any offense in. And Nia wins with a Gorilla Press Samoan drop. And... I'm not too excited about Nia being in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I get it, kind of. So, But she just doesn't appeal to me. But I guess you have to have a wild card in this match. And like her music says, as much as I don't like her music, she's not like most girls. And the best way to describe her as a part of this Money in the Bank ladder match, she's the cane of the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, a big person that doesn't necessarily fit, which makes you wonder what she's going to do. And Bruce Bruce Pritchard uh, said this kind of thing on his WrestleMania 21 episode of Something to Wrestle With. I recommend you go check that out. That's a very good episode. Very informative uh, talking about the original Money in the Bank ladder match, the concept, and all the participants in it, and how Kane is the most different competitor out of everyone in the match. Like, it was Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Edge, Shelton Benjamin, and Chris, yeah, Christian also. It's just Kane's the most unique person in that match because you don't know what they're going to do. And that's the same story with Nia Jax. Just not too happy with Kyrie Sane getting barely any offense there, but it's a little nitpicky thing to complain about. Charlotte Flair, she cuts a promo next, giving us some history lessons and talking about how she's been there, done that with Becky and Bailey multiple times. And she didn't see those two making a challenge, but you saw the next big thing. Rhea Ripley making the challenge. She gives her credit. She calls the move ballsy. And now she's a two-time NXT champion. Not because I beat uh, Beck or Bailey. It was I it was beating the 
She's now a two-time NXT Women's Champion, not because she beat Bex or Bailey, she beat the next big thing. And the biggest thing, she she's kind of hyping herself up now. The big the biggest thing saved the WrestleMania main event last year. I don't necessarily agree, but I get the point. Uh, says Rhea lacks humility and that there's levels to this. And she wants to remind the whole NXT roster of what uh, humility is. She wants to teach lessons to the roster, including the newest number one contender, Io Shirai. And lesson number one, everyone bows down to the queen. Uh, the queen. And I thought this was a really nice promo from Charlotte. And it's going to be interesting to see NXT the next few months especially with Charlotte there it'll give some fre- give us some fresh matchups along with Charlotte maybe elevating some of the talent there then after that it's a video addressing Bobby's Bobby Lashley's mania setback and then we get Bobby Lashley with Lana versus No Way Jose and Lashley, he's beaten down no way early in the match. But Lana keeps screaming and yelling instructions at Lashley. And Lashley comes out of the ring and just tells her to shut the hell up. Which I thought was what we were all thinking. We were all thinking the same thing, Bobby, at that point. Lashley charges the corner. No way hits a punch. Belly to belly by Lashley. Lana's still talking to Lashley. Roll up by Jose. Spine buster Lashley. Lashley then hits a spear. And you you know what? This was not a great match, but it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. The fallout is continuing. They're doing a little little bit of a slow burn to this, but hopefully... This explodes here sooner rather than later, and the cracks continue to form. Lana raises Lashley's hand at the top of the ramp post-match, and Lashley still doesn't look very happy. And like like I said, they're doing the slow burn, but the sooner this gets over, sooner they get this over with, the better, because I've hated this thing, hated this pairing from the beginning. But it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. After that, we get another Rollins mini promo. And to the, all the non-believers, you have left me at no alternative. I stomp out all doubt. And this makes me think that Drew McIntyre is going to get attacked by the end of the night. And I don't mind it. Drew versus Seth, I dig it. After that, we get the Viking Raiders versus Cedric Alexander and Ricochet. And this was a very good tag match. I really enjoyed it. I like this Cedric Alexander and Ricochet pairing, even though the company seemingly gave up on both of them as single stars. Maybe they'll work as a tag team. Very athletic tag team. Nice uh, power versus speed and high-flying match. The ending was not great. It was a badly botched Viking experience, but other than that, it was a pretty good tag match. And Ricochet and Cedric Alexander don't lose anything here because they looked really good in defeat, and they looked good 
against the former Raw Tag Team Champions. And it looks like we might be getting, well, we will be getting Viking Raiders versus the Street Profits. And that's the segment that's up next. It's the Street Profits with Charlie Caruso along with Bianca Belair. And Charlie's talking about the Viking Raiders wanting to take the titles and their responses. They have a lot of respect for them. And for Vikings in general. That's what Dawkins says. And he also pretty much gives us a Wikipedia entry on the Vikings. And then Bianca is hilarious in this moment. He's like, uh-uh. He says, when was the last time you beat the Viking Raiders? And she ends it with, stop playing those ga- these games and get that smoke. Which I think was fantastic. And maybe Bianca Belair brings out a more serious side of the Street Profits moving forward. I don't mind their comedy stuff, but they do it a little bit too much. And there's a time to get serious. And maybe Bianca Belair can bring that out of them here when they feud with the Viking Raiders. Then we get champion versus champion. And there's not a lot of time left in the show for this. But it's Andrade out there with Zelina Austin Theory, Austin Theory, and Angel Garza taking on Drew McIntyre. And I thought this was a nice sprint. Really nice sprint. Drew gets the win here after a Claymore. And a lot of distractions during this match. Uh, Zelina went for a distraction. And Andrade goes for the hammerlock. DDT. Drew gets out of it. Reverse Alabama slam, followed by the Claymore. It gets it done. Nice sprint. And I wish this had more time, though. They had an opportunity to put out a really good match, but they kind of had to rush things a little bit. It was still pretty good for a sprint. And post-match, Seth Rollins' music hits. And Garza gets the chop lock on Drew's knee. Super kick followed by the stomp. And now we have our WWE Championship feud. Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre, which I am fine with. But at the same time, Rollins' credibility credibility is a little bit down after losing to Kevin Owens. But I know what they were doing here. They want a heel versus face feud to start out. Uh, for Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship reign. I am fine with that. They should put out a pretty good match. But I thought this Raw was overall pretty good. Really good episode of Monday Night Raw. Some really good matches. I thought a lot more effort was put into this episode of Raw than last week's. The middle part was sort of weak with the Jack Sane match and the Theory Tozawa match. But I thought... Black versus Lorkin was really good. Baszler versus Logan was what it needed to be. And the Raiders versus Cedric and Ricochet was also pretty good. And also, Asuka versus Ryan, that was really good also. So, And also, we got some pretty good promo work from Seth, Charlotte, and Becky. And I thought this was a very balanced and very, very good episode of Monday Night Raw. And it was the best Raw I've seen in quite a while. AEW Dynamite Day of the Releases were announced. That was the beginning of the uh, releases that were trickling out for WWE AEW Dynamite. We get Jake Roberts starting out the show, and he thinks the tournament is made for Archer, 
and that the belt is a bone. And each time Archer wins, he gets closer to getting what he wants. And uh, Roberts warns Cody pretty much, listen to me or regret it. It's your choice. And then we got Jericho and Skiavone on commentary again this week. I love that Jericho calls him Skiavone. Jericho and Skiavone or Shivani are very good on commentary together. We get a little video package for Colt Cabana. And it's Colt Cabana versus the Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer. First round of the TNT title tournament kicks off AEW Dynamite. And Archer wins after hitting his big move. It is the blackout. And I thought this was a good match. It got the job done. It wasn't anything great. But uh, Colt looked resilient in this match. And Archer really looked like a beast once again, as he needs to be going through this AEW, well, TNT title tournament. Then we get Britt's rules of being a role model. And the rule is number one, rule number one is always fight fair. And that's, she's addressing Sheeta's actions from last week. And... What got her here was grit, dedication, and passion. And now she's the face of the AEW women's division. Who's the true winner here is the question, she asks. And then we get experts weighing in on Hager versus Mox. And Helwani picks, Ariel Helwani picks Hager. Taz picks Mox. I liked these little things they did throughout the show. I'll talk a little bit more about them later on, but... I thought these were nice to build up the match coming up later on in the night. Post-commercial, Taz breaks down breaks down Hager's head-arm triangle. And after that, we get Cassandra versus Britt Baker. This is a squash match. Britt gets the job done after stomping a prone Cassandra whose mouth was on the ropes. She stomps the back of her head. Britt gets the pin. And Britt's got a really good vicious side. And it's nice to see. It's a welcome addition to her character. And I think she's really, really thriving in this heel character. She's doing a fantastic job. She's doing a much better job as a heel than she, than she did as a face. And after that, we get Ron Funches picking John Moxley, Mike Goldberg from Bellator MMA. Used to be the play-by-play guy for the UFC. He picks Hager, and then we get some advertising, and then the Bubbly Bunch, and they're just kind of talking about each member of the elite. Santana talk about Matt, Nick Jackson, and Nick has been jacking Jam, uh, jacking Sammy's style, and Sammy says, "Yeah," and then calls Matt. Calls out Matt Hardy for calling him a fake Latino. Jake says he'll beat Kenny, beat up Kenny Omega and the rest of the elite. And he forces his kids to cover their ears and beat the bleep out of Mox and become AEW champion. Everyone agrees. And then Jericho chimes in saying the inner circle is going to beat the living bleep out of the elite when blood and guts finally takes place. 
and he gets off that call and talks to his assistant and he says he still can't find any toilet paper, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. I thought this was a very funny segment between the members of the inner circle. After that, we get Suge D, or better known as Pineapple Pete from Chris Jericho, versus Sammy Guevara, and this was just an elongated squash match. Sammy wins with the uh, reverse GTS. I thought this went a bit too long. Guevara then gets the mic post-match, says it's light work for the Spanish God, and spoiler, Sammy Guevara is going to beat the bleep out of Darby Allen next week, and he's going to make Pete an example. He tries to make Pete an example before Darby runs in and makes the save. Big John McCarthy. And that's a... Uh, and that's two squash matches back-to-back. I was fine with the first one. I didn't really see the necessity for Sammy Guevara's squash match there. It should have been over quick if they would have done a proper squash match. It should have been over very, very quick. Sammy Guevara getting the win. But they pushed it out a little bit too long for my liking. But it was fine in setting up Allen versus Guevara next week. Then we get Big John. We get more people weighing in on Moxley and Hager following that. It's Big John McCarthy, the head official for Bellator MMA. He guarantees that Hager will win. And then Excalibur, he picks John Moxley. After that, it's super bad Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford versus Chuck Taylor with Orange Cassidy. And Sabian's got a first-round match coming up next week against Dustin Rhodes. And this was fine, but, but, the problem I have with this is way too much extra crap going on ringside. Late in the match, Penelope takes off her coat to distract and seduce Chuck Taylor And then Orange does the same thing. I thought that was a funny little moment. But then Havoc pulls down Cassidy and DDTs him ringside. And then Penelope hops off the top rope and hits a Hurricane Rana on Taylor. Then a roll-up by Sabian gets the job done for him. But literally, it's every single match Kip Sabian wins. Every match Kip Sabian wins, it's some kind of interference it's, be, it's due to some kind of interference from Penelope Ford, and now it was more shenanigans ringside as Jimmy Havoc got involved. And I'm not a big fan of this. It wasn't. It was a fine match. It was fine. But this is literally every match that Kip Sabian's in. It's literally every match. Penelope Ford has to get involved for him to win. It's literally the only way. I get it. But it's, it was more evident this time with the interference from Jimmy Havoc. And then we get Dan Soder, an actor, saying Moxley will win. And then Ortiz and Guevara weighing in, saying Hager's going to win. And then the Spears, we get shown the Spears loss from last week and his rebound win against Billy Gunn from AEW Dark. And then we get Sean Spears versus Justin Law. And Spears hits the C4, 
And that's the third squash match on this show. And I, at this point, I'm really over squash matches. I like Sean Spears, but really, he does nothing for me at this point. Until he gets a tag team partner, nothing's going to change. Then we get Josh Thompson of Bellator MMA picking Hager to win and Santana saying Hager has a mission to bring the title back to the inner circle. And then we get the no-holds-barred empty arena match that was highly, that was very hyped coming into this show. Hager versus Mox for the AEW World Championship, and it is JR on commentary. And this fight, this match looked like an MMA fight early, and there was some amateur wrestling and stuff involved into it, but this went... This match went anywhere and everywhere in the building, and it was too slow for me. I get, I know they were trying to sell the brutality of the match, but it was all in all pretty boring to me. I actually missed about the last 10 minutes of it, but I was actually able to catch the last couple minutes of it on YouTube, and Hager grabs the ankle, Gets the ankle lock, but Mox gets out. Double arm DDT into a guillotine, a guillotine by uh, Moxley. I thought that was nice. Hager gets out and ex- they exchange strikes. A big knee to the groin by Hager. Then Moxley throws the chair in Hager's face and hits a paradigm shift on the chair. And that gets it done for John Moxley defending his AEW World Championship. And I don't know, this match just bored me. I I, I missed. I know I missed a few minutes of it. Missed probably about. I said 10 minutes of it, but really, this was slow and plodding and stuff, and I couldn't get into it. Said some people liked it because of the brutality of it. I didn't really see it, but uh, it's whatever your tastes are. I, I don't have a taste for this kind of thing when it's very slow and plodding like this, and it's just boring. And really, I just don't buy... Hager as a threat at this point because his past didn't really help him. And Jericho, I'll give him credit. He's trying his best to build Hager up as this monster, but something like this slow-paced, empty arena brawl is not going to do it for him. And it's not going to do it for me. It didn't do it for me with Edge and Orton. I really thought that match went way too long, and this one went very long also. And not that I'm an expert. I'm not saying I'm an expert at all, but I feel like there needs to be more of a sense of urgency in these matches. Maybe it has to do with the length of these type of matches. I get it that they were going for slow and brutal, but I just didn't feel it, and it's not my cup of tea. Other people may like it. You may have liked it. I just didn't like it, but that's why we're all different in this world. And really, overall, this AEW Dynamite was a bit of a step down from their previous outings. And really, nothing stood out on this show other than the build for Moxley and Hager, which was good, but the match following it wasn't good. And the Bubbly Bunch, I thought that was pretty well done. And the rest of the show was pretty forgettable. 
So not a very good outing by AEW Dynamite this week. I didn't, this is probably one of my least favorite episodes of the show since its early run, since its uh, initial run starting in October of 2019. Then we get Friday Night SmackDown. It's Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross with an episode of A Moment of Bliss. And Braun Strowman is their guest, and they are congratulating each other on their wins. And they address the Braun and Bray interaction from the end of SmackDown last week. And Braun says, no one knows Bray like he does. And Bray didn't create him, and he doesn't owe Bray anything, not even an apology. Calls He also calls Bray a manipulator, and he's not going to play the mind games. This eventually leads to Braun seeing a gift in the corner of the ring, and it is a gift. And Braun initially thinks it's from Alexa Bliss. He opens it and finds his old Wyatt family masks. And Braun looks very distraught at this moment. And... Uh, then we get Bray's laugh playing in the background, and this is fantastic stuff. I thought this was really, really good. And at the end of it, an old Bray Wyatt video plays for a moment and then shows Braun in, in his masks, mask, and then it goes to commercial. And I thought this was a very effective segment. And Braun, even though he doesn't want to admit it, Bray is currently in his head. He is really in his head. Then we get Sasha Banks with Bailey on commentary. Sasha takes on Tamina. And I thought this wasn't a bad match. Tamina gets the win after hitting a super kick outside of the ring and then hits one inside of the ring. And she is now the number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. But late in the match, Bailey tried to get involved and distracted her and uh, then Lacey would get involved Lacey Evans she came in ran off the ring steps and Superman elbowed Bailey and then Lacey raises Tamina's hand post-match and Lacey actually now Tamina has an ally and some backup heading into this match at Money in the Bank coming up here in about a month. We get a promo from Jey Uso hyping up the match. Tonight, the triple threat match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Following that was Charlie with Lacey, and Sasha got a taste of her own medicine tonight, and wherever Sasha goes, I will go. That's what Lacey says. And she's not going to stop until her mission is accomplished. And she has Sasha's name on her hand crossed out. And that's her women's right. So Lacey's going to try to hit Sasha with that women's right here sometime soon. And then we get Sheamus with Denzel Desjardins. Uh, well, taking on Denzel Desjardins. And this is a squash match. And Cole, after right after the match, is introducing the Jeff Hardy uh, story and Sheamus is pretty mad about that he's talking about Jeff Hardy again and Sheamus wants Cole to talk about him says he won't get disrespected I guess this was effective for what it was this is ultimately going to set up a Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus match 
at Money in the Bank, probably, but I thought this was good. It was fine, but I'm not too intrigued by Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy at this point, but we'll just have to see where it goes. But I thought this match was kind of a waste of time other than that Sheamus part at the end. After that, we get part two of the Jeff Hardy story, The Fall. This addresses his arrests, especially the one in 2009, right after he was initially released from, not released, but left WWE. And I thought this was pretty good, pretty well done. Um, Hopefully they have these on YouTube. I'd definitely check them out if I were you. Then we get Carmella talking to Dana. Says she needs to be focused on their tag title match coming up next week instead of the Money in the Bank qualifier that Dana has tonight. And Dana says she can do both. Carmella doesn't believe it. And then we find out next Friday, it's been promoted here recently, that uh, Triple H's 25th anniversary next Friday. Hard to believe. Triple H has been around WWE for that long. He's been around longer than I've been alive. That's impressive. Naomi versus Dana Brooke in a Money in the Bank qualifier. And I thought this was an okay match. Nice surprise seeing Dana win here. Dana is now in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And as I said earlier, it's starting from the bottom of WWE headquarters. And it will end at the top where there will be a ring and a ladder to climb up and grab that Money in the Bank briefcase. I think this is going to be unique. This is very unique and this is sure going to be a different take on the match. I know they're just trying anything and everything. Excuse me, man. My voice lost, went out. Excuse me. My voice went out there for a second, but uh, it was a nice surprise to see Dana win. And the Money in the Bank ladder match should be very, very interesting this year. And it's going to be more of a cinematic kind of uh, feel to it, I guess. Um, We'll see. Then we get a video package chronicling the Otis and Mandy story. And then we get the big Sonya and Mandy confrontation. And it's Sonya and Mandy meeting up. Sonya's very upset that Mandy's not answering her phone calls and stuff. And this is a very good promo from Sonya. This is fantastic. She talks about all the time they spent together. And she ultimately calls Mandy when she comes out the most selfish person she's ever met in their life, met in her life. And they address the fire and desire thing where Mandy's music was playing and Mandy, not Mandy, but Sonya's face was blurred out. I thought this was great. And, and she says Dolph was actually supposed to help them become tag champs. And now all Sonya wants to do is see Mandy hurt, calls her talentless, and says Mandy probably gags since she's been with Otis a lot. And that was a very dirty joke there. That was definitely pushing the PG line. But I'm totally fine with it. Totally, totally fine with it. Dolph eventually shows up, apologizes for going about it the wrong way. He wants to make it up to her, and I... Addressed this earlier, but Dolph was wearing a Zack Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins shirt out there supporting his friends. Big kudos go out to, mad props actually, mad props go out to Dolph Ziggler for wearing that Ryder and Hawkins shirt, even though he had just been released. But uh, 
Mandy doesn't want anything to do with Dolph. Dolph tries to touch her and says, don't touch me. And Sonya actually punches Mandy. And Otis comes out and knocks Dolph out of the ring. Mandy throws Sonya out. Actually throws Sonya down. But before she gets her hands on on Sonya, Dolph helps Sonya get out of the ring. And they go away. They scurry away. But Dolph comes back into the ring. He gets hit with a caterpillar. And I thought this was a fantastic promo. Very, very, very good promo from Sonya. You felt it. You felt it. There was probably some realism that went into that, some real feelings that went into that for Sonya. And she did a fantastic job. The best promo she's ever cut since she's been in WWE. And I don't even think I've ever seen her really cut a promo. But that was really, really good from Sonya Deville. And this continues to be one of the hottest feuds in WWE. And then we get a video packaging, video, then we get a video package celebrating the late and great Howard Finkel. Miz then cuts a promo for his upcoming title match. And then we get a really, really short video of Steve Cutler, Wesley Blake, and Jackson Riker, Riker, the Forgotten Sons. Didn't know if that was really effective or not because I barely had to see anything of them. But uh, Cesaro with Shinsuke Nakamura versus Daniel Bryan in a Money in the Bank qualifier. That was next. Actually, it was Daniel Bryan accompanied by Drew Gulak, and I thought this was a really good match. Very good arm work by Daniel Bryan there. It was some nice psychology involved, and late in the match, Daniel Bryan does his running backflip. Cesaro catches him, and Bryan eventually transitions into the yes lock, and Shinsuke Nakamura tries to get in the ring, but Drew Gulak prevents him from getting into the ring. Nice thing to see there, and ultimately Cesaro taps out to the yes lock, and I thought this was a good match from those two, and I wish it would have been longer because they were kind of hampered on time, they kind of limited on time in this match, but I thought this was a pretty good match for the time they were given, and Cesaro looked good, and Daniel Bryan qualifies for Money in the Bank. Then we get Big E cutting a promo before his match. And Elias, he has another performance coming up, but Corbin then attacks him backstage and jumps him from behind. I didn't know this feud needed to continue, and it is going to continue, unfortunately. Corbin smashes Elias' hand into two equipment cases, between two equipment cases, and then eventually, post-commercial, hits him in the throat with his staff, and I just don't care about this. He also smashes the guitar on Elias's back to put the icing on the cake. And I really think that there's no need to continue this feud. This is one of the times where WWE just needs to forget. Just needs to throw away the key for this match. Uh, lock the door and throw away the key. The feud wasn't good. The match was not good at WrestleMania. And it won't be any better at Money in the Bank if they decide to continue this going into that. They should have just ended it at Mania and just completely forgot about it. They really need to keep Corbin out of the limelight for a while and get rid of this awful King gimmick. It's terrible. It's just the pits. It's not good at all. And Corbin 
is constantly on our TV sets every single week. Let's have him just go away for a while, revamp his character or something, and then bring him back. He'll be fresh. He's been around. He's always in some kind of big storyline on TV. This is the time to kind of bring it down a little bit, maybe. I don't know. We'll see about it. Then we get Big E versus Jey Uso versus The Miz for the SmackDown Tag Championships. The Miz defending both titles, just like Morrison did a few weeks ago. This is a very short match, but uh, it only went about 10 minutes or so, a little over 10 minutes. Big E hits a belly-to-belly early in the match. He gets gets, uh, suplexed through the announce table during the match. Late, it's the Miz and Jey Uso. Miz locks in a figure four leg lock, and Miz almost makes Jey Uso tap, but no, it's Big E. He picks him up from the ground, hits a big ending on Miz, and it gets the three count. Wow, what a surprise here. The New Day are now eight-time tag champions, and I thought this was a surprising result. Very surprising result. I thought the championship reign of Miz and Morrison had a little bit more mileage to it, but it's okay that the Miz and Morrison, not the Miz and Morrison, but it's okay to see Big E win the title here for both him and Kofi. And actually earlier on in the show, uh, mid-match, I forgot to mention this, but mid-match between Cesaro and Daniel Bryan, actually it was like right at the beginning, is another truth will be heard thing those videos we've been getting here recently. And the person in the control room says, we've heard all the lies, but when will we hear the truth? And they show, he shows a bunch of tag teams and some keep their friends close and others closer. We'll have to see what happens with that. But it was, they were showing a bunch of tag teams, including the, the New Day, Biggie and Kofi, uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, Miz and Morrison, and they also showed Bailey and Sasha Banks. Could this be leading to uh, a tease? Uh, not a tease, but a uh, breakup of sorts between one of these two, between one of the many teams. Uh, we'll see if which team is going to be the one that possibly breaks up. It'll be interesting to see here soon. That was very a very intriguing thing we saw on Friday Night SmackDown. It continues to keep us guessing. What's going to be the truth? Who could now split? Who will split as a tag team? We, We might find that out sooner rather than later, but who is this mystery man? Who is the person behind this? We'll have to see. Good thing from SmackDown to keep us guessing. But overall, this was a pretty decent episode of Friday Night SmackDown. I could have done without the Elias and Baron Corbin stuff. Uh, the Mandy Sonya thing was very good. The Mandy Sonya confrontation. I would definitely check it out just for Sonya's promo. It's definitely on YouTube. Uh, but SmackDown was overall a fairly good show. Fairly good show. But, uh, yeah, those things I could have done without was the Sheamus match in general and then the Baron Corbin Elias thing. But really, I thought it was a pretty decent episode of SmackDown. Just wish the Big E match 
at the end. Big E match and Big E just wish the uh, triple threat at the end had a little more time along with Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro. But little things to complain about. Overall, fairly good episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Which brings me to the rankings for this week. And number three, I gotta go with this. It hurts me to say this, but uh, AEW Dynamite. I just didn't really like a whole lot on that show this week. I just didn't enjoy it all that much. And nothing really stood out to me. Number two, SmackDown. The Sonya promo, really good. Cesaro versus Daniel Bryan, pretty good also, along with the triple threat at the end of the show. And then, really, I think was the best show of the week, Monday Night Raw. I hardly ever say it, but I thought Monday Night Raw had one of their best outings in a very long while. Some very good wrestling on the show. The Viking Raiders versus Cedric Alexander and Ricochet was good until the end. They continue to tease the Bobby Lashley-Lana split. Charlotte Flair cut a really good promo. Uh, Asuka versus Ruby Riot was very, very good. And another good promo from Becky Lynch. I thought Raw had a very balanced show. A little bit of a lull in the middle of the show, but really they recovered pretty well. I thought it was a very well done episode of Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw gets my number one ranking for this week. Number one Monday Night Raw. Number two Friday Night SmackDown. And number three for the first time in the history of the weekend review, it's AEW Dynamite. And that concludes the weekend review for this week. And if you didn't know already, this is episode 49 of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I appreciate all of you that have listened up until this point and will listen into the future. And I wanted to do something special for episode 50. And that'll be my top 10 favorite wrestlers of all time. Wanted to give you more an in-depth look at what my fandom looks like in the world of professional wrestling and just give you a little more of an insight on me. I give you these weekend reviews every single week, but I pro- you probably wanted to learn a little bit more of my wrestling fandom, and I will give that to you coming up next week sometime, probably around Wednesday. And it should be a very, very fun episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show for episode 50. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app. And make sure to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show. And thank you to anyone who supported the show so far, including listening to the show or following it on social media via Facebook or Twitter. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thank you for listening, and so long, everybody.